This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Talking Dirty. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking very sort of sophisticated, I think we can say. A little little subdued on the tonal front, but uh, as beautiful as ever. Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. And colourful, charming, wonderfully witty. We have, <laughs> sitting in Cambridgeshire, Thordis, Sophia Maria Fridrikson. And I probably got that the wrong way around, but never mind, they're all there. They're all um, there. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hilarious when you have more than one middle name, isn't it? It's hilarious when you say witty. I've had about three seconds of sleep, it feels like. So I apologise in advance for any... Uh, when it makes your knife sharp, though. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That must be <laughs> That must be it. We are delighted, I think, coming back for his fifth Talking Dirty appearance. Daniel Brian Cooper, I think we established finally the last time you were on Talking Dirty, of Dan Cooper Garden, the frustrated gardener, no less. Um, how the devil are you and how are you looking so fresh faced when I know you have been so busy at garden events and doing your podcast and your business and your blog? I really don't feel very fresh faced, so I'm glad I come across like that. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm good. It has been such a busy summer and I feel like I've been all over the place. And now I've got in that funny sort of period where sort of summer is over. And now I'm thinking about all the sort of Christmassy events that I'm going to be doing. And um, and of course, the weather has just gone sort of boom from sort of summer to autumn. So it feels like this is a sort of watershed moment. But yeah, I'm all right. I'm doing OK. <laughs> Don't worry too much, Dan, because I think Judging from what I'm, I mean, I was, I was sort of look ahead on the weather forecast, and I think we've got a little bit of a lull next week when we're going to get warm again. I mean, cool nights, but the warm days, which will make make for a lovely autumn. I don't know about you, but we have suffered most horrendous gales. Thordis, I know you did. Yes. Um, Do you know this we've... is a terrible admission? Uh, yesterday, I had I, I had the opportunity to walk past the allotment. Um, but I could only walk and see the destruction and not do anything about it because I was on the way to a baby singing class. Um, so I, I just I can't face it. And I haven't been able I haven't even been to see. I know one wigwam is over, but I don't know quite what destruction has been wrought on this extremely exposed site. So I'll it's go and look. Quite, um, it's tough, isn't it? We did go yesterday to see what had happened. And the sunflowers, we had some um, immense sunflowers. We don't sow sunflowers on our allotment anymore because the parakeets come and eat the, the seed heads and then they scatter the sunflower seeds everywhere. And then they just come up and we sort of edit out the ones we don't want. But there were some 10 footers up there and they had literally, it looked like, you know, the great storm of 1987, you know, they yes. were, they were torn out of the ground complete with their root balls. And some of them we managed to put stakes in because they were still looking pretty good and put them back upright. But goodness, it is, um, you only need one sort of gusty day like that. And it causes mayhem, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And it's around about, the right time to be the anniversary of the 1987 gales that we said, and don't worry, there isn't a hurricane coming. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember driving through Kent and seeing huge swathes of sort of 
Trees just decimated. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's it seems like a very long time ago now, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Goodness. So hopefully not too much devastation wrought, um, obviously some, but, you know, this is this is the weather. This is what being a gardener is, and um, particularly when you love to grow big, uh, blousy blooms, as we all do. And, and I mean, Dan, anybody who follows the Frustrated Gardener page has been loving your grid of dahlias this year, just like every other year, always so many glorious varieties. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping that at least not all of your dahlia stems were snapped by the winds. No, just the big ones. And we're actually going to, I think, stop growing some of the really big ones next year. Because yeah, me too. Don't get much value out of them from a cutting point of view. They're, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm sort of gradually changing my dahlia tastes and and uh, liking the smaller ones um, with some of the more interesting colours. We've got one this year. I don't know if you come across it, Alan, called Rycroft Blackberry, which no. is most extraordinary colour. It's like um. It's like a sort of the topping of a creme brulee is the easiest way to describe it. It's sort of like a caramel sort of colour, but it's sort of got a, it's, there's sort of yellow in there somewhere. Occasionally it has this funny quirk of having one white petal in it, but <laughs> it's really lovely. And the other one that I, I had to get in, and I'll have to send you a picture Thordis because I've only got one bloom out at the moment I couldn't bring myself to cut it even for you to. <laughs> um, <fair enough. laughs> it's uh, Night Silence have you come across that yet? No. No so I think it's I think it's quite highly sought after but it is um, I'm going to have to describe it now I mentioned it haven't I aren't I it is a kind of antique salmon with a very dark reverse to the petals. And um I think I think a photograph is going to help you best. But it is it is quite the most extraordinary thing. So very excited about that because I bought one this year and it's not very big yet. So I'm looking forward to it being bigger and hopefully propagating it in the spring. But um... oh I've got a picture of it, yes. <laughs> I have a picture of it on my phone and it certainly is um well. A very difficult thing to describe, I think. Yes, but I think possibly got a lot of potential for combinations with sort of dark leaf plants, for example. I think yeah. it could look rather good. Yes. Oh. It's funny you mentioned how taste and dahlias change. I think, I mean, my, I always raise dahlias from seed just to see what, what, what the hell happens. And I, I suppose on a ratio, of if you get 100 seedlings, if you get five that are re, half decent, you're lucky. The rest just go on the compost heap. But I have got some, uh, all singles, by the way, but I have got some rather nice ones that I um, am very pleased about. And they are, they're kind of pink, but they're shot with cream veins through the petals and dark blackberry stains through the petals. And there is one that is just a single dark red. Nothing, you know, dark foliage, but single dark red. And then suddenly on the same plant, there's a bloom that opens and the petals are half red and half white. And I mean, that you know, you mentioned you mentioned your dahlia, um, Rycroft, uh, no, Rycroft Blackberry, I think it was. You mentioned that as having the odd white petal. Well, I think that's one of the things about dahlias. They have an instability in them that, that makes them suddenly do something peculiar. Yes. I love that. And um, Sam Hopkins, the, the really dark one, I think that yep. seems to throw the odd 
white petal. It reminds me of like a Cruella de Vil streak because it's so yeah. dark and then suddenly you get this <laughs> white streak in it. Yeah. They are quite unstable, aren't they? But, but I suppose that is why we have so many incredible varieties because they have this inclination to do weird and wonderful things. Exactly. So, uh, yes, fabulous. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that fabulous antique salmon one. Uh, what was it? Night Silence? Yeah. Yep. Um, are you leaving that in the ground? Because I think you you said you lost. Was it Christopher? Oh, Christopher Taylor. Taylor, sorry. Christopher we Taylor. um we left about one hundred and fifty in the ground, and I think we lost about five percent, and that five percent equated exactly to my halls of heaven order. So, so <laughs> more by luck than judgment, <laughs> there was plant to fill every gap. Of course, we lost some of the ones that, you know, we wouldn't have wanted to lose and ended up keeping some of the ones that we'd happily have lost. But that's done. <laughs> Always. Um, and it's very interesting, actually, because um, they they performed very differently um, this year. So the, they some of them came up incredibly early this year, um, a bit frighteningly early. Other ones didn't emerge until June. But the the quality of the blooms was was pretty good actually this year. Mm. I thought that perhaps um, them being sort of established tubers and not having been divided up, the the blooms might be smaller. But that didn't really come to pass. So we've been pretty happy with leaving them in the ground. Yeah, I think I was pretty happy with mine actually. They came back largely. I mean, I don't. I wasn't aware that we lost anything. I'm sure we probably did, but I wasn't aware of it. They were so, you know, I mean, they were so lush and lovely. All you people over there with your minus fours. <laughs> For one night. We didn't have any frost at all last winter, so we were really, really lucky. It was yeah. a bit of a freak, yes. You, you, just, yes. you just keep quiet. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that made me laugh was the fact that I've got lots of hedicums or gingers in the garden and... You know, the the there's a certain there's a certain band of people they'll know who they are um, that that visit the garden on a regular basis and they come along and they they love to tell you what's wrong and that's the way they get their enjoyment. I don't mind that because it makes me smile. But you know, they were poking the the, the rhizomes of my hedicums or gingers in the spring and they were all squidgy. You lost all your gingers. Well, I just sat tight and said nothing, and hopefully, I thought they would regenerate from underneath, and they have. And so, eat your words, you horrible. <laughs> oh, you little faith! But I mean, and I noticed this morning. I was looking out my kitchen window at the relatively well. It was new this year. Sort of, it's kind of lemon cream blue and mauve border. Um, I'm not terribly good at keeping colours separate anymore, but I mean. I'm trying to. And there is one thing standing out like a beacon of light, and it's an orange hedicium right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it will probably be beheaded but before the before we open to the day, to the public today. <laughs> but are you, did I did I hear that you're doing a trial of them, Alan? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we've got the the do you know the national collection holder, David Gaunt? They're down in Chichester somewhere, yes. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's contributing lots of plants for this trial. And it is going to be, I mean, we, we can't finalize numbers yet until we know what's available. Um, but probably between 18 and 90, maybe a little bit more than that, plants. Um, and there'll be tender varieties and um hardy varieties. 
and we will be trialing them. We're going to have two plants of each, I think, at the moment. It would be nice if there was three, but, you know, it's it's about finance, really, and you've got to, you know, you've got to work towards what you can get. Um, and then we are going to have to prepare the ground and get it ready and everything else. So everybody sort of puts something into it, if you see what I mean. Yes. Um, and I, I did suggest that um, because gingers, when they're growing, they'd, they'd like to be almost drowned with water. And I did suggest that we, we might put leaky pipe on them. And everybody on the committee should have thought this is a good idea because, you know, our water table is 19 feet below the surface and we are a light sandy loam. Mm. So we can't guarantee that we're going to get the kind of summer we've had this year, which has had regular bouts of rain. Who knows? I find because I've got I've got must have about 20 different ones here i find that they dislike being in really bright sunlight in combination with being dry but they can be fairly dry and in shade yeah and that that's probably something to to think about yeah well, it, it, mine, mine will be in reasonably bright sunshine dan yeah so they might <laughs> so they will need they will need the extra irrigation yeah mm. And um, yeah, obviously you wonderful. do a lot of your gardening, apart from at the allotment, in containers mm. uh, with your garden at home. So although we've had lots of rain, I assume you've still had a huge watering schedule because, as we all know, plants in containers don't necessarily benefit from the rain that falls from the water that falls from the sky. No, I even went out this morning and we had a deluge last night and there was a salvia in a pot that was looking very sorry for itself because the water just hadn't got in there. So um, you do have to keep an eye. But, you know, the, I think as autumn approaches there's there's more humidity the days are shorter so the plants aren't quite as stressed and also you get dew and things like that so that the pressure does come off a little bit at this time. I, th I think when you get a sort of a misty or a slightly foggy night that's a great reviver for plants because you know they get this well they get wet leaves without being bashed about and you know they do absorb moisture through their leaves so it, it's a great reviver yeah yeah i think so they all look fresh as the days they are yeah. for a good view yes now i know off camera you have various things for show and tell so uh so what would you like to start with well i thought that i so my garden is getting increasingly shady and i'm sort of slowly giving up on trying to grow some of the things that need um a lot of sunshine and also you know small gardens there's nowhere to hide and you can't really tolerate plants that don't you know give you a decent season of interest because you know have a few but you know the plants have to work quite hard in a small space so I'm increasingly looking for like really interesting foliage plants so I have I've done my usual I should probably be dripping water all over myself and I've been out in a very soggy garden to <laughs> Um, to bring lots of lovely things in to show you. So um, one thing that I have grown in abundance this year, and I've sort of almost used it as a bedding plant, and it, it doesn't cut well, so you'll have to excuse the droopy nature of this particular sample, but um, Persicaria Painter's Palette. Now, uh, th this seeds in into the pots in my garden and comes up in all the other pots. And I have, I have found that the ones that grow fresh from grew fresh from the seedling early this year are incredibly vigorous and much more colorful than the ones that have been established for a little bit and 
I've planted, I've got some pots of formiums that are a sort of coppery colour, like the colour in the uh, the leaf here. And I've planted that around them. And I really like that combination of sort of copper and then quite vibrant sort of greens and creams. But um, it's a bit of a favourite. You can just see there that it's about to produce a, a flower, which will be very insignificant sort of thread-like red thing. But if you leave them on... Um, they will seed. Well, one of the good things about persicaria is if you don't want to, to, to leave them to flower, and you no, know, Dan has just said, if you leave them to flower, they will sell seed, which is, could be a bonus. It might not be a bonus, but it could be. But if they're getting slightly tired with these lovely foliage markings, whichever kind you have, if you hack them back, give them a little bit of water and some some liquid feed, within three weeks, they're back again. So you, you refresh your plant and you can do that twice during the summer. Um, so they're very, very forgiving plants. Yeah. I think they're great. I mean, yes, tough and easy to grow, and 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 there are lots of different varieties. So they're almost as interesting as Cadius. You've got lots of different um, leaf shapes. So now I did go out and um, cut a bit of this. So um, the uh, Bomerias, is that correct pronunciation, um, Alan, do you think? Yeah, I think it is. Um, so these are our nettle relatives. They look very much like it, don't they? You can tell by the leaves. And this is this is just the top part of a bomeria. So the bottom leaves are absolutely enormous. And at this time of year, it produces these interesting sort of green um, tassels. And this is Cyavoldiana. So it's it sort of towers above my head at the moment. It's nearly eight foot tall and that's growing in a pot. So imagine what that'd be like in the ground. But there are many, many, many of these creeping out onto the market because people are going and collecting them in the wild. And it's, it is clearly one of those plants that sort of, again, like daily, is quite variable. So I've got one called Rotundifolia, which it's got almost completely round leaves that are a much softer green than this and slightly um, slightly hairy on the, on the leaf surface. Um, but they are such brilliant um, shade plants. They're quite architectural when you get a big clump um, and they arch over nicely and they just seem to look good and neat all the time. Nothing seems to want to eat them, which is always good. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to have lots more of these. I've got three different varieties already. But the people like Edulis and those sort of nurseries seem to be really getting into them. I Have love the idea one? of one of those, you know, or a clump of them growing at East Ruston and overhearing someone saying, oh, look, he's got an enormous nettle. Even the nettles here are huge. <laughs> they probably were as well, wouldn't they? <laughs> a very choice nettle. <laughs> Do you have any yet, Alan? But yeah, I do actually. Um, nowhere near as big as Dan's, I have to say. But in a lovely shady area just near my laundry room, which you will know, um, uh, we did an experiment there this year. We actually planted some cannas in there, and it, it's in it's in permanent shade. There's no sun getting in there at all. And we planted the um, canna iridiflora, very tall pink one, and it has done brilliantly in there. And I mean, I I just can't. You know, I find myself walking through like this. You know, I've got to look to the right or to the left, depending which way I'm going. <laughs> but I can't stop looking at them. They've done stupendously well. And I think that looking at around for various plants, I bought recently one from Pan Global from Nick Mesa, and it was Plectranthus, but it was 
it was something else before it's plectranthus and then it's been something else afterwards i don't know don't tell me ask me what it is but it's a very tall japanese plant it has huge heads of tiny purple flowers very late it's a late autumn flower and this is something that i very interesting because we always try and keep the fl- keep the, the thread going you know keep the garden looking good almost year round i know you can't but but you know, there's a to me, there's always something interesting, and I don't like the idea of putting the garden to bed. Never have, and never will. Um, so these sort of plants that they they earn their keep. They earn their. Jan, Dan's absolutely right. You know, some things when they're not eaten or they're not messed around with too much, they have a silent sort of beauty about them, the quality, and eventually it stands out. It's like look, it's looking. If you look at um, a very well dressed lady in wonderfully wonderful quality camel coloured clothes you know you probably wouldn't look at it twice and then suddenly you it clicks in here and you think that is quality class i've never looked like that in my life (laughs) (laughs) i think we would all fall over backwards if that happens so don't Well, so while we're while we're still on the sort of nestle like things, I think I might have mentioned this before, but this Ooh. is a hardy pilea called um, I don't know if it's Tasmanian silver or Taiwan silver, but um, this again is another plant that seems to just look nice all of the time. Um, this is a bit that snapped off in the horrible weather, so it looks a lot better than this in the garden, and I and I'll have a picture for you for the podcast but again another thing that I will say about nearly all of the plants I'm mentioning today is that they're all incredibly easy to grow from cuttings as well so the plectranthus like Alan mentioned just then coleus pileas bromerias they're all very easy to root in just little jars of water so all good plants for bulking up if you need more and I know Alan loves propagating things so (laughs) um so that's another great one. Now, I thought I just, there's a bit of a colour required, I think. So I bought some, there are lots of begonias um, appearing now that are hardy or borderline hardy. They'd certainly be hardy with Alan. And um, they are also great value if you're trying to sort of create some ex- exotic effects. So uh, again, po- apologies for the tatty leaf, but this one is um, tie-dye. I think it's palmata tie-dye. Now, this is this is hardy here, even in a pot outside. Um, and, of course, it has those big sort of almost like Rex begonia leaves with that nice sort of, um, sort of, I don't know what you would call it. It's almost silvery. It's sort of yeah, it def- definitely glistens um, in the sun. But, uh, you know, these if you have a spot that is... Sort of well, this this never gets any sun where this is. So sort of permanently shady, not bone dry, but they were they they're fairly tolerant. Um, and well, um, back to the leaf as well. Yes. Oh yes, the back is just as nice. I should have done that, shouldn't I? Before. <laughs> and if that's not showy enough for you, I mean, one I've had for absolutely years, and it, it's much more showy offy is um, Benetachiba, which um, again has that amazing metallic sort of surface to the leaf. Um, and I, I mean, it's a very strong colour. This isn't one of the newest leaves. So it's not quite a sort of pink, 
as the new ones are. But again, that is, I've had that growing in a pot outside for years now, and it's as hardy as anything, and you can divide it or take cuttings from it and um, and have more. So now, we have established last winter you didn't have any frost. So how cold does your garden get, Dan? Oh well, they so this one survived the beast from the east oh. twice. So yes, so it's it's okay. I mean, whether you would really want to take that risk is another thing. You could easily just bring it into a a greenhouse or something and just keep it over winter and it makes a very nice house plant as well I have got one indoors too but um yes I mean it will survive but you might not want to risk it as much as I do <laughs> but I think they're, I think they're rather um they're rather fab they're wonderful such such patterned leaves and the thing is like I mentioned the underside when they blow in the breeze you know you look out your patio window on a breezy day and then you get all those purples flashing with the silvers and it's lovely I I did have we some. haven't mentioned this begonia flowers and, and most of them yeah. do actually flower even even that lovely palmate luxuriance the fabulous fingered leaves like a parasol um you know that has sprays of teeny weeny white flowers but they're big sprays um, i can see some out of the window now but got, i've got it on my front doorstep yeah. and they are quite oh, they're almost like <laughs> small hydrangeas <laughs> i came home from your garden um earlier in september and went into my greenhouse and looked at my minuscule Begonia <laughs> luxuriums, and I was like, "Now, come on, <laughs> you've got a bit of growing to do." And showed it the photograph of the ones outside your front door, and said, "You know, this is what you're going to be when you grow up." They so, say, "Did it just feel wholly inadequate after it had been shown a photo of Alan's begonia luxuriums?" <laughs> I mean, it is quite hard to come back from a visit to Alan's garden because you think, you know, you start to think, "Oh yeah, I'm doing all right actually," and then you <laughs> you walk around and think. Okay, I've got I've got some way to go yet. <laughs> no, but my, 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 I have to say, um, my plants. I don't want to put you off in any way, but my 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 begonia luxuriance. They're probably eight to ten years old, um, and every year, you know, they're in those big pots and things. But every year, they have the top of their compost and lots of their roots scraped away, and they have fresh compost put back with um, a little enrichment in it. Shall we say? I mean, it could be m well rotted manure. It could be anything, but I mean, it's. And, and, you know, a general purpose fertiliser and they get fed at every watering half strength. Mm. I mean, they certainly I mean, I don't think I've ever seen such magnificent ones. They are a treat. So um, as is the whole arrangement either side of your door. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my one of my photos of the year. But I um I talking about the, the ones that's to flower. I wouldn't really be without this one, which is no. um, Grandis. Evansiana alba this one there are lots of name varieties of these now I have got one called snow pop which is very pretty it's a bit smaller than this one but um but yes it's got these lovely sort of red backed um leaves and I, I have I don't have big swathes of anything in my garden because my garden's not really big enough but we have a path that leads to our back garden which I suppose is about 25 foot long and I have this growing all the way along the path because it's um it doesn't seed exactly because it comes from the little bulbils but it spreads itself prodigiously and it this time of year you've got the pink one haven't you alan no, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in your sort of near your plant area and yeah. it's it's just such good value at this time of year any of those um begonia grandis aren't they oh yes i mean i've got 
I've got a pot with a ginger in it, which I was, I'm, I'm should we say I'm growing on the ginger. Um, but it, it was next to one of these uh, Banziana Albers last year because the pot is full of seedlings of the, of the white one. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it. you talk about them sort of seeding or pipping, whatever you like to say, because there's little pips that appear in the leaf axles is where the new plants come from. And they just fall onto the ground and they germinate. Now, I know a lady who grows this in South Norfolk and she has a, a lovely, lovely garden, but her garden floods. And every winter, these begonias are underwater and they still come through and still come up the following year. So they're much, much more resilient, perhaps, than people people realize well so that being yeah. said mine uh was by the overflow pipe by the back of my house and i thought that's fine because rosie's floods every year um or, or whichever garden it's in and um i uh, it died but i think that was the cold but all the pips seceded around so i've still got it but for about a month i thought i've lost it i'm so sad it's not coming back and then i noticed in the pots around all the little babies coming and it was like party time in the yeah. Bridgerton household they are late to appear, which I think yeah. some people would, um, you know, may think that they've lost it. But yes, they they generally they're very good at regenerating. They're sort of survive. Some plants are late to appear, um, Dan. I mean, we we touched on hedicums or gingers a little while ago, and they're very late to appear. So if people are growing them outside, I mean, please be patient if you yeah. can. Yeah. <laughs> But I would I would thoroughly recommend that as an, and and of course you know night it looks as fresh as a daisy at this time of year when when so many things don't look fresh as a daisy you know it's great to have. Hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person. We don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. <laughs>